good evening, Internet, and welcome to episode 12 of This Vertical Life. I am your host, Brian Thomas, and I am, as always, joined by my much handsomer-sounding co-host and brother-in-law, Adam Lane. Hey, everybody. So, Adam, today uh, we are going to talk about something that, regardless of whether you sort of transition to Catholicism or to Orthodoxy, from a Protestant or evangelical tradition, one of the big things that you have to grapple with and and come to some degree of peace with that's very, uh, at least from our upbringing, unevangelical or maybe we should say unbaptist, is the topic of Mary. Um, I, I've read some and that, uh, and read some and seen some folks talk about what a big, for some that was uh, the big hurdle to kind of get over to get into uh to to fully step into catholicism or to fully step into orthodoxy is this idea of marian devotion uh and the veneration of of mary the mother of christ or as we the the word of choice in the orthodox church is we just refer to her as the theotokos we don't even translate it to english because generally understood the english um the English translation of that word just doesn't do that word justice. So we just keep it in the original language and call it Theotokos. Um, but that's going to be our topic today. Uh, I'm really looking forward to getting into it. Um, I think you are as well. Sure. I hope you are. If you're, if you're not, it's going to be a drag of an episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Nope. I'm on board and ready to go. Um, cool. Cool. And, and I, I am as well. Uh, so before we get into it though, uh, you know, it's been, been a couple weeks or so since we recorded last, uh, life updates. I think I was moved into the new house when we recorded last. I'm still in the new house, still enjoying yep. it. Um, I, I finished my banking law summer class I was taking. That was, um, a lot of fun, mostly because it was incredibly easier than the other classes I had been taking. Um, mm. I've started a job. I'm, I'm working part-time for a personal injury attorney and uh, in his firm in Arkansas, research assistancing uh, one of my professors, and uh, and life's going pretty well over here. How are things in Fort Smith? Uh, it can't be that great. I mean, you do live with my sister after all. <laughs> well, man, I, um, I, I'm not going to complain about living with your sister. Uh, she is pretty awesome. She's good to me anyway, better to me than I deserve. So I'm not going to complain, but, uh, yeah, man, all things are pretty great. We, uh, just normal life working, uh, pretty recently I went to a four ten schedule. So I work 10 or work four days a week, Tuesday through Friday, uh, 10 hours a day. And honestly, I I've done it once before several years ago where I had that schedule uh, and I'd mm-hmm. forgotten how much I loved it. Like I knew I loved the idea of it. I remember really enjoying it, but just getting to Monday morning, waking up and realizing that I don't, I still don't have to go to work. <laughs> it's pretty great. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and for what yeah, I remember the week, the week just flies by. It seems like it, it just goes by so much faster. And uh, I, I, man, I love it. So great. Yeah, yeah. It's I had a job uh, several years ago back after when Kelly and I first got married. Uh, that was a four ten job, and it was just it was just the best. Like it was, 
it was hard work. I didn't enjoy the work so much, but man, and I was Monday through Thursday. So I sure enjoyed getting off Thursday and knowing I was going to have three whole days where I didn't have to go back to work. And and you think, well, the difference between two days off and three days off can't be that big a difference, but it is because now you're mm-hmm. got like nearly half the week where you get to right. stay home or you get to do stuff with your family, you get to do just kind of, you just have an extra day where there's not somebody having this stranglehold on your time. And it's, it's right. just, it was the best. I love working for tens. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's pretty amazing. Pretty uh, nice. But yeah, other than that, I was, uh, well, I don't know that I can tell this story on here. Had some excitement at work. I, I know this is a horrible tease, but, um, uh, some out of the ordinary stuff, which is always fun because it kind of breaks up the monotony. Sure. Of my normal day to day at the at the airport, but uh, other than that, it's all been pretty normal. Oh, nice. Nothing nice. Nothing um, out of the ordinary. Nothing too out of the blue. Well, that's good. We uh, we had this is the day after Father's Day that we're recording this, and we had. Um, you and Jessica and a lot of our family up for Father's Day and just had a had a really really great day. So, um, all things considered, it has been a really nice summer so far for us, and uh, I'm glad to hear it has been for you as well. All right, so uh, the fun topic today, because uh, we're going to talk about the Theotokos, we've also got sort of a fun topic, um, which is sort of connected because it has to do with uh, with women, and that is favorite movie. Um, and or TV show, if you want to branch out, where the primary protagonist is a female. So favorite film and or TV show where the primary protagonist is a female character. Um, That was a little bit more difficult for me than I had initially thought it was going to be in part because Mm -hmm. I really tried to stay away from romantic comedies because that's kind of where kind of the first place to go when you think of, for me, when I, films I've watched that have a, a female lead. Um, and I also didn't want to go with, uh, although I really liked Wonder Woman, I didn't go with Wonder Woman either because that seemed like a cop-out. And also, I was like, I know I've seen movies with female protagonists that are better than Wonder Woman. Uh, oh, for sure. Because I liked it, but it's not like a masterpiece or anything. So sure. uh, So we'll, we'll get to that. Uh, we may take a break in the middle of the... Uh, which uh, the middle of what to our Protestant friends will sound, no doubt, sound like nails on a chalkboard. Um, so the main topic today is the Theotokos or Mary, Marian devotion, Marian veneration, uh, whatever you want to call it. Just don't call it worship because that's not what we do, no matter what your Protestant uh, friends may tell you. Uh, there's a little <laughs> bit of variation between our traditions, right, between Orthodoxy and, and Catholicism in this, uh, in this sure. area. But we both put uh, we we put very very high um, value seems like the the wrong word. Mary is a person of great honor and great distinction in both of our uh, traditions. Uh, in fact, so much within the Orthodox Church that if you're coming to the Orthodox Church, and it may be the same way in the Catholic Church, I don't know. You tell me. But if you're coming into the the Orthodox Church and you're choosing a saint name. Um, you can't take Mary's name. It's just like there are other saints named Mary and you, that you can you know take as your saint name, but it can't be the Theotokos. She's just 
there's all the saints and then there's a theotokos um she's she's right. just like a cut above is, is it the same way in the catholic church uh honestly I'm, I'm not entirely sure i'll have to look that up and and get back to you i don't i don't know that i've ever recalled uh hearing someone choose mary as their saint and i've been to a few easter services now you know where everybody goes through you know and i, I don't i don't recall that so and i I've never really thought about it. That is interesting. I'll have to look into it. Because strictly speaking, like we never call her St. Mary. That's not who she is. Um, sure. She's, she's something like a saint. She's definitely not less than a saint, but in a lot of ways, she's, she's more than what the other saints are. Um because well, and I think for some for some very good reasons. Um, for me, just kind of speaking uh, personally for a second, um, Mary and Marian devotion was not really a hurdle for me coming towards orthodoxy. Uh, in fact, the the need to give Mary more attention or to give Mary more kind of credit, I guess, or to use a Catholic word, merit. Um, <laughs> um, you didn't laugh. You didn't, you didn't like my Catholic joke. Um, that's okay. Was one of, it was a good effort. <laughs> was one of, well, yeah, not good enough. I'll do better. Uh, okay. so I was, I'm sure it was around Christmas getting ready to, uh, to, to preach Christmas sermons. Um, during the Advent season, I was studying the, uh, first few chapters of Luke and, the Annunciation and uh, just reading like what Gabriel says to Mary, reading when Mary goes to visit Elizabeth, what Elizabeth says. Um, it was really like Mary is really, really important. Like Mary is is something special, much more special and much more um, revered or should be much more revered than I had usually found her to be. In, in the Baptist churches yeah. that I had been raised in. So for me, that really wasn't an obstacle as more as much as it was um, yet another thing that was just sort of stacking up over in this pile of reasons why I'm not going to be a Baptist, you know, in a few months or in a year or so. Um, so what about you? What was when you were kind yeah. of making that change, was it a struggle for you? Was it something you latched onto pretty quickly? Uh, what was it like for you? We haven't talked much about that, I don't think. Yeah. So a lot of it was not a problem. A lot of the aspects of, like you said, Marian devotion, I guess that's a good phrase or a good way to put that. I didn't struggle with because it was one of the last things I got to. So things like praying to saints, I'd already worked through. Things like uh, icons or, you know, statues, whatnot. The idea that you even could have saints to help you or to intercede for you in any way, shape, or form. And so when it came to Mary specifically, a lot of it just kind of fell into place at that point because a lot of the, the smaller aspects of what is involved in Marian devotion were already yeah. kind of, they were already dealt with. 
uh, when it came to other people. I, I really, a little bit of a, a coward maybe, but there were no. a couple of things that I put off to the end because I didn't really want to have to deal with them. <laughs> um, <laughs> and Mary was one of them. It just so happened that by the time I got there, it already done, dealt with a lot of the smaller aspects that make up uh, together as a whole that make up a large portion of what it is to, you know, uh, reverence or uh, show deference and respect to the, mm. the Holy Mother. So there are some things that it was still, there was still strange. Like, I, I don't mean to say that it just suddenly became this really simple thing. There was still a part of you at the back here. It's, it's kind of like there was this, uh, <laughs> there's this YouTube video of a guy who, makes a bicycle that you steer backwards. Like when you turn left, you actually go right. Uh, and when oh, you turn wow. right, you go left. And it was this weird thing that it just took him. He like he in his brain, he knows that, okay, if I turn left, I'll go right. And if I turn right, I'll go left. But there's something about the way our brains are wired after we learn how to ride a particular way that mm. it just makes it really, really difficult to take what you know in your mind and for it to just become natural to the way that yeah. you actually move and the way that your body's coordinated. So there were certain aspects of Marian devotion that part of my Protestant brain was still just kind of like, it, it struggled a little bit, not because I didn't really believe it to be true, but just because it is really different than what I was taught growing up. Uh, and what I was yeah. taught was right and proper and acceptable. So that aspect was difficult at first for a little while. But again, it wasn't because I I wasn't convinced of the truth. Uh, it was just that it sometimes it, for me, it was hard to let truth become practice, if, if that makes sense. Right. Yeah, no, it, it does. That, that does make sense. And, and I still have... And maybe you do as well, though you've you've been in the Catholic Church now for um, was it two Easter's ago or three? Uh, two, two years. Two, yeah. So you've been you know uh, fully within the Catholic Church for a couple of years, and I'm still still a catechumen um, with the uh, with the Orthodox Church, but but there's still an aspect of that that you talked about that I relate to and, and identify with as far as sort of figuring out how, and this was, and this whole thing I'm about to say is a, another reason I'm, I'm Orthodox is realizing that just because my brain knows something doesn't mean my hands are going to do it uh, or that my heart's going to go there. Mm -hmm. uh, right. And so one of the reasons that I was uh, one of several reasons I was drawn to Orthodoxy and, and love Orthodoxy is, um, is the emphasis on the heart and the hands um, and a little bit, not fully, but there's a little bit of a sense in orthodoxy and, and, and Catholicism as well. I think that's a little bit, look, if you teach your hands to do the right things and you teach your heart to love the right things, your brain is going to come around eventually. Mm -hmm. um, and so, but I'm still, I'm still a very brain person. So my brain will come around faster sometimes my hands and heart are still kind of like, what are we doing? This is not what we do. This is not how we do right. things. Um, right. So, but, uh, 
and the myriad aspect of it is something that I like. I know, I like, I love prayers to the Theotokos when they come up in liturgy. Um, I, every time we, we say that phrase in prayer and in, and in worship, I, I love the word. I love thinking about what it means. I love the the honor and the respect and the deference that it gives, that it offers to this person. Um, and I think just just kind of creates, or I don't know if creates the right word, but demonstrates and shows this completeness of theology and of practice um, through the the veneration and the devotion to Mary. So, and and you mentioned um, how you kind of put it off towards the end, and by the time you got there, a lot of the little things that make up a large portion of Marian devotion you had already kind of come around to. But there's still, like we said earlier, there's still, Mary is still something more than the saint. So there's still an aspect mm-hmm. of Marian devotion that is like a step beyond the veneration uh, we give the saints. And I think that's maybe even more true in Catholic circles because um, y'all, I don't want to say y'all like her better than we do, um, but maybe, maybe I'll talk about her a little bit more or maybe... Um, well, what are some of the things that kind of set Mary apart, even from the saints? Like, I know what them, what some of them are. I'm not asking because yeah. I don't know. I'm just asking because I know you researched and you want to say, <laughs> so tell us. <laughs> uh, so we would start out by, and I, I, I start here because I want to, maybe if there is some Protestant listening who's recoiling, in their soul because, you know, we're even thinking about talking about this, let alone the things we've already said. He inadvertently really, makes the sign of the cross at us and then is like, oh no! <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, it, it really does. It all starts with God's grace, right? Regardless of, and, and even Orthodox and Catholics would disagree about some of the attributes that we would recognize in who Mary is and uh, how God used her in the plan of redemption, but that first and foremost, she is a creature. She is not God. She is not, uh, she's not in any way deity, right? And she, like all other creatures, are in need of the grace and love of God. Nothing that she did accomplish uh, or that she did perform or that she uh, that she lived up to or that she's attained or anything like none of it would be possible without the the redemptive love of God right that was mm-hmm. that was demonstrated through Christ Jesus so we just need to start there and and say that but that also we would say that she is she's the we we would use the word saint I think but in the sense that she's the first of the saints like if being a saint is us in our person being what God intended for us to be and what he's making us in Christ, right? Like uh, image bearers of God, good sons and daughters, right? The people that are actually the humans that he created us to be in the garden, then mm-hmm. she is the she is the first one of those. Uh, not she She's not the first person. Um, not in the sense that she didn't need Christ, but she is the first one because of the work of Christ that God brought to 
uh, sainthood, if you will, in, in this world. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. So, so all of us as God's children are on a journey, right? Like we should be striving towards perfection. We're called to be perfect even as our Heavenly Father is perfect. We're not called to be our Heavenly Father, but we are called to be perfect. We are called to be like Christ. We are called to be in submission uh, to the Father through the Son. And Mary did that. That's what we would. That's what we would argue that she, uh, she was. She was the first of what we are called all called to become, and because of that, she holds a distinct place of of honor, um, of respect. Uh, we're called to to recognize what God did in her that He didn't do through anyone else. Right, like. There is right. no one else in the history of the world that ever did or was called to the same task, the same mission, the same purpose as Mary was. Uh, and that that's deserving of respect. In the book of Hebrews, the Bible talks about people whom the world was not worthy of because of their acts of heroism and faith and uh, fidelity to Christ or to, to God in the Old Testament, right? They didn't have a, yeah. you know, they didn't know it was going to be Jesus of Nazareth, but so there's this idea but they were, that they were chilling that with it when they found out. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, <laughs> most definitely, good news, right? Yeah. So even the New Testament and other places talks about there are some people that are res- that that they deserve a special place of honor of respect because of their fidelity to um, to God and their part that they played in His plan. Well we would argue that there is no one else that played a more vital or important role in this process of bringing God's plan to fulfillment than Mary in her submissiveness, in her obedience, in her uh, holiness, in her faithfulness to God. Uh, she is a, she is a cut above. And so she's worthy of that uh, to understand the role that she plays we can get into this a little bit later, but and why we do this. But as Catholics, we we talk to her, we talk about her as being the Ark of the New Covenant. Uh, we talk mm-hmm. about her being the Mother of God, right? Which again, we can deal with in just a little bit. Uh, we talk about her being the Queen of Heaven. Um, we talk about her in a, in a lot of different ways, uh, and the saints are very quick to to make sure to remind people that even in all of the glory and the, uh, the splendor that God has chosen to bestow upon her, she pales in comparison to the beauty and the splendor of God himself, right? Like there's still no comparison, yeah. but in perspective, right? Within the perspective of humanity, uh, God used her in a way that, and, and it continues, we would argue, to use her in a way that is unlike any other person that's ever lived because she did something that nobody, nobody else that's ever lived, uh, has, or will do. She, uh, yeah. Yeah. She bore the Christ child. It, they're, mm. they're, I mean, goodness. What, what else? Yeah. Like, what else, what else do you want? Right. Uh, <laughs> I think one thing you said, like when you mentioned as special as Mary is as much reverence and honor as we give her, we still say without hesitation, 
there, there's no comparison between Mary and the glory of God. Like um, one of the things that you we, we talked about and you you have in your list is like a common Protestant uh, objection to uh, to veneration of Mary is um, focused on Mary takes away from the glory of God, and that's just for one. It's like it's not like God's worried about this. You know, it's like, oh, God's like, oh, my goodness, if they start looking at Mary long enough, they're going to realize I'm not that great. There's no comparison. You know, um, you might as well say, well, we we probably shouldn't honor the Bible so much because it would take away from some of the honor of God. It's just it's nonsensical when you the only reason it makes sense is if you think there's some sort of contest between the two. Like God is threatened by Mary. Yeah. You could even argue it in in from a slightly different perspective and say that uh, it might even be that the honor and the reverence and respect that we give to the mother of our Lord uh, is in a way uh, a focus or uh, an exclamation on the glory and the majesty and the love of God. Uh, oh, for but, sure. To put it in a, a slightly different, um, slightly di- to give an a, a illustration or example, I guess if you had somebody like uh, Da Vinci or Van Gogh or someone like that, and they had worked so hard on their masterpiece, um, and you were to walk through a museum and you were to look at this and say, "Oh my goodness, this is such a beautiful painting." The, the tone, the color, the, uh, you know, I, I'm not a very artsy person, but you know, all those things that people say about cool works of art. Yeah. That doesn't, that doesn't take away from the brilliance of Van Gogh. It's a recognition of what Van Gogh did. It, it's mm-hmm. so in, mm-hmm. in praising the palette, in praising the complexity, in praising and recognizing the splendor of it all. The the artist isn't stepping back and saying, "Hey, hey, hey, stop looking at that. Look at me. Look at me. You know, I, the yeah, artist." Yeah. Why are you looking at my masterpiece? You know, why are you looking at my, my, it's just paint, you know, look at me, talk to yeah. me. Because, because he made yeah. it to be beautiful so that it, it, it would be a reflection of his, mm-hmm. brilliance, his brilliance in a way. So I, I, like you said, you, you put it really well. They don't have to be in competition uh, of one another. I, I really do believe that done properly and rightly uh, that praise and recognition of who she is and what she did uh, far from taking away from the glory of God I, I think it I think it just adds to our praise I don't, I don't yeah well I mean we make um, even as even Baptists and, and evangelicals will make similar statements when they say things like when you if you're if you're a musician and when you play well and people recognize that you have a gift and they recognize that you have talent and they they you know applaud for you and they praise you well in a way they're they're also glorifying the one who gave you that gift and who gave you that talent you know and we're kind of we're told even like hey if somebody praises you for something you do really well make sure you realize you know, you sort of channel that, and a lot of times we were really bad at it, like deflecting that to God. Um, but I think, uh, uh, but I mean, there definitely are people uh, in the circles we grew up in who were like, well, look, if somebody ever says you did a good job, like you have to immediately respond with, 
like give all the glory to God because you can't have any of that, which I think right. is super unhealthy. But I think a healthy perspective towards that is very similar to the approach that Catholics and Orthodoxy take towards the veneration of Mary, that we're venerating when we give her honor and we give her uh, veneration and we, we call her Theotokos, the, I mess up the word, Theotokos, we're honoring what God has done in her and through her mm-hmm. because we're not honoring her because we're not honoring her really for anything she did in and of herself, but what God did in sure. and of her. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so the idea that honoring the idea that recognizing the beauty of something God has done is a threat to God is just patently to me on its face. Ridiculous. Sure. Um, so let's, let's talk about this for just a second. We, we call her the Theotokos. Uh, I don't think we use that. We, we just use English more often in the West. Uh, but even. Was that a shot? Uh, Were you taking a shot at me? No, no, not at, not at all. The, okay. The Western, the Western, uh, the Western right, especially in America, we just we use English more often in the in the New Mass. Yeah. And, um. So we we generally call her just the mother of our Lord or the mother of God or or what have you. Mm-hmm. Um. In our, but even in, if I'm not mistaken, even in the Latin right of the Church, where we use Latin, whenever it comes to Mary, we still use the Greek word Theotokos. Uh, I, I could be wrong about that. Um, I've just started going to Latin Mass fairly regularly, so I'm still picking up on things. But uh, we still use that that phrase a lot, just maybe not as much as you guys do. But but for just a minute, Brian, talk about okay, the Theotokos, Mother of God, like because it we, we don't just recognize what she did. Uh, there's also an aspect mm-hmm. of who she is within the family of of God. So. Why is she the Theotokos? Why is she the mother of God? How does that work? Isn't she just the mother of Jesus? And since yeah, well, she's the mother of Jesus, what does that make her to us? And is that really a thing? Like, what's our role? If she is the mother of God, does she have a role now? Like, that kind of stuff, I feel like we need to hash out just a little bit. Um, so, like, what's, what's she, um, yeah, so my understanding is that the term Theotokos dates back to uh, and was like was officially adopted and recognized uh, at the Third Ecumenical Council, um, at least in part in response to the heresy of uh, Nestorius, um, who was going around saying all kinds of crazy stuff. Um, but one of the competing terms that they kind of chose between, I don't say that sounds wrong uh i think nestorius was advocating for the word uh, christokos which meant birth giver to christ rather than theotokos which probably the best literal english translation is birth giver to god um because um he wanted to to, to emphasize look she gave birth to jesus the human she didn't give birth to jesus the god um why is that a and, problem Trying to well, yeah, like trying to put him in the best light. I could see some people not wanting to use that term because they don't want to lose sight of the fact that Jesus is an eternal being, that he is God. And so when you say that Mary gave birth to God, it can sound like, well, sh- like Jesus didn't exist until she gave birth to him or until he was conceived within her womb. Um, sure. The reason that was rejected was because that 
that divides Jesus into two distinct persons, one who's the son of Mary and the other who is the, the eternal being. And the church council is like, no, we can't, like, we've already hashed this out, guys. <laughs> one, like, it, it, he's one being. We, we can't go dividing Jesus into two. So she is literally the birth giver to God. She gave birth to God. Simply because God chose to become man. Like, he chose to unify those two natures, um, right? Like, we're, we're not talking about... How do I put this? Like it goes, it goes back to, uh, you know, all those debates that dealt with. Okay, did, was Jesus just a man that divinity inhabit? You know, divinity inhabited. Oh, sure, for sure, yeah. Uh, you know, all this did kind of stuff. Did he put humanity on like a coat almost? Right. That he could put on or take off. Um, no, it's like it, it's Jesus became human. He didn't put it on like a coat. He didn't just like hover over or possess some really cool guy. Um, It's just kind of when you think about it, he became human the exact same way all the rest of us become human by being conceived in a woman's womb, by growing in there for a span of 40 something weeks, nine months. Your wife is a midwife. She can probably tell you the exact, you know, time period. Um, And then he was born into the world. Um, and from start to finish, he was, he was God. Yeah. From start to finish, he was God. Mary did not give birth to a human that was then right after birth inhabited by God. Jesus's nature did not change post birth. He was God and man inside the womb. He was God and man is God and man outside the womb. Um, there's a hymn that uh, I think has a line that to me is just beautiful. I love hymns and songs that make paradoxes beautiful. Um, and this one says, he whom the entire universe could not contain was contained within your womb, O Theotokos. And I just, I love that. I especially love it when it's sung. I, I don't know. I can't sing it, but it's just, um, it's just beautiful. There, there are things, there's some, um, some songs from uh, the Holy Saturday service in uh, the Orthodox tradition um, where it's part of it is, is Christ and Mary um, kind of singing back and forth a little bit. Um, there's a line about Jesus saying, um, you know, by my own will, the earth covers me. Oh mother. It's like, but he's all, but he's, I, I'm not getting the word exactly right. But he's like, but don't worry when I arise, um, I will arise and I will magnify you. Uh, I think it's beautiful. I, just, I love that. I I have I literally have two songs from the Holy Saturday service downloaded onto my phone that I just listen to on occasion because it has lines like that. Um, lines like, the earth covers me, O mother, but the gatekeepers of hell tremble to see me in the bloodstained garments of vengeance. I'm like, oh my gosh. Like, orthodoxy is so metal. It's like death metal, but <laughs> theology. Um, just like how how awesome is that line? The gatekeepers sure. of hell tremble to see me in the bloodstained garments of vengeance. Um, and then when I arise, I will magnify you, O mother. Um, anyway, a little bit off, a little bit of a tear there. But but again, part of the to me, part of the beauty of that is it's not just because it's easy to see lines like that and kind of envision them in this almost John Wayne esque like 
strutting, you know, into into the gates of hell. But this is a dialogue between a mother and her son, a mother who's watching her son suffer terrible, horrible things. And a son who in the midst of suffering terrible, horrible, horrible things is trying to comfort his mother. Um, And he could very easily have just said, mom, I'm going through a lot. I don't really want to deal with this right now. Besides, I'm going to see you again in like three days. Don't worry about it. Right. Um, but there's almost this very real sense. Um, uh, and you even see it if, if our Protestant friends want to be like, well, that's not in the scripture. Um, when Jesus is hanging on the cross and yeah. he, he basically gives Mary over to the charge of, of John. <clears throat> right. Um that's that, that that's such a beautiful representation of how a son loves and cares for his mother um mm. and there's there's a sense in, and i've seen this expressed by evangelicals and even prominent evangelicals that mary is almost disposable that once jesus was born mary just sort of fades into the background and i you know like we don't she does not matter as much as like because jesus doesn't really talk to her jesus doesn't really talk about her she's not important anymore um and i and i think about passages like that one where jesus is on the cross dying horribly crying out things like my god my god why have why have you forsaken me and in the middle of that he looks over and sees his mom and his thought is i need to make sure she is taken care of. Never mind the fact he's fixing to come back from the dead in three days. He right. still wants to make sure that the Theotokos is taken care of. Sure. And it it just got to the point where it annoyed me that Jesus on the cross was giving his mother more attention than the church I was in was doing 2,000 years later when we were mm-hmm. most definitely not being crucified, right. <laughs> you know. Um, anyway, that kind of got off <laughs> a little bit. Um, but so what's, um, what's her role? What's her role now? What's her role now? So like, to us, I mean, maybe specifically, but like to us in, in heaven to Jesus, I mean, what is like, what kind of clout does she got now? You know what I'm saying? Like, how does that work? <laughs> yeah. So I don't, um, you know, we, we sing hymns of the Theotokos and to the Theotokos, but when you talk about a role for her in heaven, uh, you know, we believe that she prays for us, that she, you know, um, intercedes on, on behalf of, of the church. Um, but as far as like, if you're at, you know, like what she, what she up to up in heaven, um, well, the, the short, the, the cop-out and almost Baptist answer um, is that, you know, she's doing the same thing everybody else is doing up there, which is just glorifying God and worshiping God. Um, but I think recognizing, once you recognize that she had a specific way in which she did that on earth, then you could by extension say, well, she must do that. And it's also in a special, unique way in heaven. Um, and I don't, I don't have as much. That's not something I've, I've delved as much into. I know, you know, I know that the Catholic church gets more into that specifics and, and refers to her and maybe the Orthodox have as well. I don't, I, I couldn't find it somewhere. 
uh, referring to her as, as the queen of heaven. I'm not sure that's a phrase that crops up in orthodoxy um, sure. all that often. Um, but the grace and the favor and the blessedness that she had on earth has certainly not gone away now that she's in heaven. It's not that just as I think it would be ridiculous to say, well, once she gave birth to Jesus, she kind of faded into the background. It wasn't that important. I think it'd still be ridiculous to say, well, once she got to heaven, she kind of faded into the background. It wasn't that important. Um, and this is one thing where I know orthodoxy and Catholicism digress a little bit. Um, the, the Catholic church, I believe teaches that Mary did not die, but just, do y'all believe she ascended? I don't, I know you believe she did not die. Is that correct? Uh, no, no, it's not, uh, it's not dogmatically defined in any way, whether or not she died or she didn't. Oh, it's not. Um, okay. For some reason I was thinking it was, um, the Orthodox nope. teach that she, she died, but that at the moment of her death, Jesus appeared or dis came down basically and took her, um, to heaven with him. So yeah, that's the provenient view among Catholics as well. It's, it's okay. not, uh, again, it's not said that it has to be one way or the other, but that's what tradition would hold to. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, but what exactly she's doing up there? I mean, may, I, I don't know. Is there a Catholic answer to that question? Um, um, yeah, to, I mean, to a certain extent, I think it it kind of falls in line with what you were saying. Like the the whole uh, role of the saints at this point is is to, I mean, we're we're part of a family, right? Like it's not um, mm -hmm. this is not just some legal contract we've entered into with our Lord. Like he, God is our Father, and Christ is our brother, and um. So there's part of it that kind of extends into, okay, well, then does that not make Mary our mother also? I mean, to, to a certain extent anyway. Um, spiritually speaking, we have, we have spiritual fathers, uh, I think. But, you know, in the family of God, technically, God is our heavenly father. Um, Christ is the, the bridegroom and the church is the bride. But on a personal level, Christ is our, we're, we're co-heirs, right? We're, we're brothers right. to our Lord. Um, we've been adopted into uh, the family. Um, and if Jesus is God and is inseparably so, like he, he didn't just give up his humanity when he went back to eternity. I don't think that's, I right. don't think that's what the church is, right? Uh, then yeah. Mary is still the mother of the Lord, right? Uh, yeah. So we would look at the life of Mary and see the, the testimony and the life that she lived uh, as being the first saint, right? The, the, the one that is uh, an example to all the other saints of what it looks like to be a saint, right? To, mm -hmm. to be a human God has redeemed and brought back to himself in uh, perfect fellowship. We'd say that she continues to be that, right? Like, she continues to be that most glorious of God's creatures that continues to uh, glorify God through the, her obedience and through her life. And also, like at the wedding uh, feast at Cana, tell everyone, do as he tells you, right? Like through her life, through her intercession, she continues to hold that position of uh, mother of our Lord who... 
I, I believe, has a special place in the heart of God, even even now, just like the saints do, like just like the saints, we we ask them to pray for us, and they take um, our intercessions to the Father. I believe that Mary still does that, you know, as, mm-hmm. as the mother of Christ, she she has a special role in our family. Uh, that that yeah else, yeah. Uh, we see in the book of Revelation, we see this picture, this image of a virgin who's um, giving birth and the serpent, um, you know, coming after the seed of her womb. And like, there's this, like, it's hard to read. I I, I used to read it as a Protestant. Like, I know I'm not supposed to think that, but that sure does sound a lot like Mary, you know? Um, And so we've got this and she's, she's got 12 stars around her head. She's got a crown. Like there's just this, magnificent beautiful picture of her being this beautifully adorned royalty almost like it's just yeah kind of a remarkable thing so i think i think maybe a lot of people would have different words that they would use to describe her but but just this idea i think that's pre pre what's the word i'm looking for it kind of uh covers a lot of the the surface areas just to say that what she lived on this earth, she continues to live in heaven. That mm-hmm. uh, the institution of the the kingdom of God, she had a role that God had given to her uh, to to point other people to to not only bring Christ to the world, but also to point the world to Christ. And I, I believe she continues to hold that role and to fill that function. And just like you know. In, in glory, we believe that there's reward and that some people rule cities and some people uh, rule kingdoms. You know, the, the Bible talks about that based on people's faithfulness. We've got Mary, the mother of God, who uh, who we believe was first and foremost of all the saints. Um, mm. So we, we would argue that by extension, that means that in heaven, she has a, a preeminent place, not above Christ, obviously, but uh, sure. she has a preeminent place in in the ecosystem. I don't know. That's probably not in the family, right? In the family of, of the Lord. Yeah. 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 No, I think that's. I think that's well. But as you said, um, if if we the Bible teaches us, you know, and shows this picture of he that is faithful in a little thing, I will make him master of of great things, rulers of kingdoms of cities. Well, if Mary was the preeminently faithful one, then how big a kingdom does she have up there? (laughs) You know, um, what, what is she given quote unquote rule over? Not again, not, as you said, not above Christ or against Christ, but under Christ. Um, uh, so, uh, real quick, let's pause here before we get into, into some other things. You, you've got some stuff that you, you pulled up about like the, uh, um, her as the second Eve, the Ark of the New Covenant. Uh, we've got some of the common objections to some of that stuff from from our Protestant upbringing. But but real quick, taking a quick break, when I ask you, what is your favorite film and or TV show with a female primary protagonist? What comes to your mind? Do you, do you have a favorite? Is that was that an easy question for you? Or do you have to think about it a little bit? Man, it it was not easy. Um... And in pulling up lists, right, like today as I was uh, 
thinking about. We had a couple different topics, and I, I honestly couldn't remember which one we had decided to go with. Uh, but it was either it, they were either movies, and and this is going to sound really chauvinistic, right? But they were they were movies that like I really didn't feel were good examples of what women ought to be. Um, <laughs> that does sound a little chauvinistic. I know. I know like it does. You started watching it and you're like, this isn't about Mary. This is no right. good. <laughs> exactly. Um, or there, I mean, I don't know. I felt bad because it was like e- either that or it's like Kill Bill. I was like, <laughs> who cares? Like, it's just not, I don't know. Uh, Kill Bill is a, a great kill em quick movie, but I uh, wouldn't consider her a powerful female role model. Um, mm. But when I got so to you're looking about, at like uh, films in which it's not just like a a female character in a cookie cutter role, but a film where her womanhood is integral to who she is within the film. Yes. Okay, I gotcha. Yeah. Very, very well put. Um. So I've got, I've, I don't, I mean, this is, it's going to sound a bit cliche. Um, I've got one that I'm thinking of. Maybe it's just because I watched it within the last year. But uh, Little Women, the character of Joe. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. I just, I don't know. I, I love her character so much. It's not that she, she's not weak. She's strong. She's independent. She's, um, very intelligent. Like there's, there's nothing about it that seems like I'm not saying that women shouldn't be, you know, have important roles or have important positions, right. Or, or any of those types Mm -hmm. of things. But, um, you know, this kind of mantra in today's culture that says, you know, uh, I mean, you could, you could, you, you could, we're not talking about men. There's a lot of problems with the way that culture presents men. We'll get to that in some other. For episode. sure. For sure. But, but this idea that, well, women are strong enough that they don't need no man, you know, they can do mm-hmm. everything a man could do and they can do it better. And it's like, but that that really does. It like strips away the, the beauty of what God intended. I, I believe for men and women to, to live out together. And, um, sure. Yeah, yeah, and so I I felt like Little Women did a really good job of really uh, exalting and and highlighting the the strength and the beauty and the influence uh, that uh, a woman can have, but also just this idea that we're not meant to live alone, right? Like there's some mm-hmm. some aspect. So trying to find that balance, I feel like, is really hard in modern culture, um, and. I don't know. I just felt like there was a really good balance there. What about you? What 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 came to your mind? Oh, uh, Little Women was one of the first ones. Uh, I I really really loved that that film that came out. You know, the end of last year. Um, I loved. Uh, yeah, it, it was fantastic. But that really did feel cliche and kind of kind of like a cop yeah. out. Um, I, I know. I know. But but it's. I mean, I can't really fault you because that was one of the first things that came to mind. It's a fantastic movie and Joe. I love Joe in that film. Um, and the, the, the speech she gives towards the end where she's talking about how women, you know, can be smart and can be all these things. There was no tension in that, that speech where she was like, 
we can't be both. She, the, the, the whole thing's like, we can be both. We can be women and also be smart and also be strong and also have ideas and also have skill and also have value. Um, I, I, I really, really love Joe uh, in that film. Um, I, I, I like jotted down, I think, six films. And I was trying to decide between them. That was one of them. Um, another film starring the same actress, uh, Brooklyn. I really loved um, Brooklyn. Mm. Um, have you seen that? Same actress. Yeah. Whose yeah. name I can't That's pronounce. Um, Million Dollar Baby was one that came to mind. Um, it's a really, really good film. Um, uh, can I throw in, I, I thought of this too earlier uh, for doing honorable mentions. Have you ever seen The African Queen? Yes. Oh, The African Queen's a yeah. really, really good film. Yeah, Catherine Hepburn uh, and Humphrey Bogart. Uh, maybe just because we watched a Catherine Hepburn movie a couple nights ago together, but uh, yeah, yeah, I just like that. Really, is it's it's such a it's such a great movie. Like, and they're not married. Uh, I'm not saying that everybody has to get married in order to be a good woman or to be a good husband or a good man. Um, but you just see, there's just this dynamic between the two. Um, that's just so fun. It's such a good movie, and she's Catherine Hepburn's amazing. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, really another – it is really good. Uh, she's Her and Humphrey Bogart are, are so good together in that film. Uh, another older film that I, I thought about choosing but I ended up kind of moving away from um, and may not qualify anyway, but Doris Day in The Man Who Knew Too Much is fantastic. Oh, um, yeah. And, and I mean the, the film is called The Man Who Knew Too Much, but when I think of that movie, I think of Doris Day before I think of Jimmy Stewart. Um, sure. But I actually ended up, uh, I think, settling on the film Arrival uh, with Amy Adams. Hmm. Uh, I really, really enjoyed that film. I really, really enjoyed her character. Um, um, yeah, so that, that that's probably the one I would go with. And like, if you're just, if I'm being honest, if you have a gun to my head, I'm probably going to pick Little Women, but I was trying to not go with the <laughs> uh, the super obvious one. And I really, really enjoyed Arrival um, an awful lot. Were there any, um, I also was trying to think of like a TV show with a, a primary uh, female protagonist. Um, I, my wife and I love, we love Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. That's, I think it's such a great show. Um, that I started one the other day. Uh, I started the the Watchmen uh, limited series that played on HBO, and the primary uh, character in that film is is a female, and and it's I'm only like an episode and a half in, but it's really good so far. Um, I don't really give a whole lot of thought, honestly, to TV shows, um, so I don't I don't want to speak. I, I love Lucy is probably way too cliche to pick on that one too, but yeah, pro- probably so. I mean, I, I I get what you're saying. Like she's so iconic. Um, yeah, yeah. But she's also kind of a idiot. Like I, <laughs> I feel like I feel like it's a little unfair because she's always getting in trouble for oh, some for sure dumbest yeah, thing. Yeah. Um, but I I get it. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. All right. So um, yeah. So you're gonna go with Little Women. I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with uh stick with Arrival just so I. I feel a little bit more out of the box. Feel like I've watched more female-centric movies than I probably have. Um, so when we let's, let's kind of 
the, and the whole reason we picked that or I suggested that topic and, and you were kind enough to run with it, it was because, you know, we're, we're talking about Mary and, and the centrality of Mary to our um, respective faith traditions. Um, one of the things you mentioned, uh, one of the, I don't know, typological ways we see her or ways we understand her. You mentioned the Ark of the New Covenant. I don't remember if you mentioned her as the second Eve. I think you did in, in, in passing, and, and I've mentioned it again. But um, I, I love both of those, the Ark of the New Covenant, and I also love the idea of Mary as a second Eve, in part because when we look at the first Adam and the first Eve, and then we, you know, Jesus is referred to as the second Adam or the new, the new Adam, the new man. Um, in the first Adam and Eve, there was Adam, and then out of Adam came Eve. Mm. And then the second Adam and Eve uh, are, are like the exact mirror of that. There was Eve, and out of the second Eve, out of Mary came the second Adam, came the new man, mm. uh, which, which is not in any way, less than I think this, uh, an indication that, oh, well, that's the way it should be. And the whole reason the world screwed up the first time was because man was here first. I True. think it's just, I think it's, this is me speaking for God slightly. <laughs> I think it's God's way of of making a picture, of making a cycle, you know, of, and you see this in, I think it's Paul's uh, speech about men and women in marriage in, in First Corinthians, um, that man, I think it's speaking to the, and you, you mentioned it sort of uh, when you talked about uh, the films as well, the interdependency of man and woman, like woman would not exist without the man, but man would not exist without woman either. Um, sure. And, and you don't see, and the, really the clearest, best picture of how much does man need woman is when you look at, well, how much did Jesus need Mary? And it's 100%. Right. Yeah, I don't know if you had anything else you wanted to say on that, but that that was one of the ones that that's probably one of my favorites. When we look, when we yeah. look at Mary, sort of within the biblical narrative and within the church tradition, her as this mirror image of Eve, um, I think is a beautiful picture. Yeah. Well, if, if somebody wants to go and look at the account in Genesis of the original, uh, the original sin and the consequences that took place there, um, it's really interesting when Jesus is talking to the serpent. He says you will be at enmity with the woman, right? Mm. Like, it is, it, granted, by extension, you know, Satan versus Jesus, like that's the first thing that always comes to our mind. But he didn't say you will be in enmity with man. He said you will be at enmity with the woman. It's mm. uh, really interesting. And then he says, and her seed, right, you will bruise his heel and he will crush your head, right? Like yeah. this. This idea. And so, like, she, there's this from the very beginning, this concept there is going to be someone within the line of womanhood, right? This, um, this idea that Satan is at war with femininity, or, or maybe not as a general concept, but with women. You're like, mm. he says, you will be at enmity with the woman. Um, and then, even in the book of Revelation, the serpent's coming after the woman. That's, um, that's that's pictured there. Uh, so the early church, uh, from what I've understood and read, were, were really quick to understand uh, Mary as this promised 
woman who the serpent would have enmity with um, and whose seed would crush the head of the serpent. So mm-hmm. when we talk about Jesus being the second Adam, uh, like in Ro- Romans chapter 5, uh, the natural extension from the perspective of the Catholic or the Orthodox, from what I understand we hold this in common, uh, is that well, Mary is, she is by extension the woman with whom the serpent is at enmity with. And mm, it's yeah. seed who is Christ who crushes the head of the serpent. Praise be to God. So to call her the second Eve, it's not, uh, it's not trying to, you know, add words to the Bible necessarily, but you know, the word Trinity is not there either. It's just this, this kind of following this line of, of topology, this, this, these prophecies, these promises that, that we see in the old Testament and we see fulfilled when the new covenant enters into, you know, the world. That yeah. Yeah. And even, even looking at it, like Eve's disobedience in the garden foreshadowed, the disobedience mm-hmm. of Adam that plunged the world in the darkness, the obedience of of Mary, the second Eve to God, foreshadows the obedience of Christ to His own Father, which brings the world into light. There's For just sure. the 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 parallels there, and the richness of that is just it's just like a it's just like a hot on a hot summer day when you get this giant glass of like ice water, and you just want to plunge your head in it it's so refreshing it's so vital it's just like that's what this parallel is like it's it's so full it's so rich it's so whole it 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 so thoroughly addresses not just the consequences of the fall but it so thoroughly parallels um and then overcomes the means by which the fall came into came into being. It's yeah. not just like Jesus, like, all right, well, I'm here, I'm going to fix everything. But it's just, again, I think the the, um, the kind of parallel you drew between appreciating an artist by appreciating his masterpiece. It's the same thing, like right. appreciating God and his uh, his plan and his redemption by appreciating what he did with mary as the mother of jesus to not just say i'm going to undo what you did in the fall but i'm going to take it and i'm going to turn it on its head and show you what true beauty looks like and through this i will save you yeah for sure it's it's just i don't know it's one of those things that i as i did earlier if i get talking on i'll I'll just go off on a on a tangent um yeah, it's gorgeous. It is. It it it, it really is. Which I, I guess we can kind of jump down to uh, kind of the point four, which is why are why was our evangelical subculture subculture so opposed to this? Mm-hmm. In, a, in a very real way, you get the sense that um, they felt threatened by it. That we felt yeah. threatened by it. I'll put ourselves back in that group for a moment. Hello. That. We would, you know, we would like roll our eyes at it. Um, but there are people that we both knew or, or, or we both read or saw, you know, promote that were that didn't just say, well, we don't do that, but are like actively hostile towards this. And don't just think this is 
um, that the you know Marian devotion is incorrect, but that it's dangerous and it leads to all sorts of terrible, terrible things. I mean, when I started telling folks I was going to join the Orthodox Church, I mean, I had I heard dire warnings about all the heresies I was going to accept eventually if I went into orthodoxy. And I was just like, I don't know where you're getting this, man, but we kind of believe in the Trinity and the divinity of Christ. So you can just like take a step back there. Um, So, so what are these objections and and like, where do you think these objections come from? Yeah. Well, I think for our, for our generation of Protestants or maybe even over the last, I don't know, 400 years um it it really is i I, i'm gonna say this people will not want to take this moniker upon themselves as protestants Uh, (laughs) but i'll I'll just speak for myself i was ignorant right like i i really accuse catholics and orthodox of believing things that they don't claim to believe yeah um, but that's what i was told they believed and so in ignorance uh, i just accepted what i was told about them rather than what they said for themselves um, and didn't even take what they said into consideration. It was just like, nobody cares what you think because we all know what you do. <laughs> yeah. You know? And so a lot of it's not meant to be personal. It's just, uh, and, and a lot of it's well meant because Protestants do, we want to, they, they want to honor God and they want to glorify God and they don't want to take away from that. And so mm-hmm. they're told this other thing takes away from this good of honoring and worshiping and loving God. And so, you know, they don't want to do that. They don't want to take away from honoring and loving and worshiping God. So I think a lot of it's fear and it's well meant. Uh, it's just based in ignorance. I, and uh, again, I'm not trying to be ugly. I'm just talking about my own experience. Um, it was never, it was never um, maliciously done uh, to, you know, well, we don't, you know, we know we're supposed to do X, Y, and Z. We're just not going to do it because we think it's Oh, stupid. for sure. Yeah, yeah. That was, never, that was never the intention. Um, but a lot of the accusations that would be thrown out there are some things we've touched on before. Why, well, why, you know, are you, are you praying to Mary? I thought you were only supposed to pray to God. Um, you know, well, you when you bow or you, you know, genuflect or you kiss, you know, the, the icon or whatever it is that you do, uh, is that not like worship idol worship you know and mm. that's not good you know that's even images all together right like aren't they like you aren't you you're not supposed to make graven images or uh, anything like that which are all things that i think we've dealt with in certain to certain degrees uh in other in past podcasts so i, I don't know i guess we can touch on them really quickly uh why pray to mary well because we pray to a lot of people, even living, right? Like yeah. In the old English sense of the word, uh, we ask all kinds of people for help. And it's not that we're yeah. replacing God with, I'm not replacing God with my wife when I ask my wife to help me with something. Um, or even if I ask her to pray for me, right? Or if I ask you as a friend to pray for me, technically I'm praying to you and asking you to go ask God something. It doesn't mean I can't go to God on my own. Sure, but, yeah. The effectual fervent yeah, part of it's much. Part of it is just bad entomology. Like it, the yeah. word "pray" is not specifically geared towards the divine. Sure. Um, like I, I've been, I've been writing um, model complaints for my for my boss, and part of a complaint when you go before a court and you like you know make allegations against someone 
and and seek you know you're suing them you're seeking I'm trying not to say the word sue uh, but when you seek damages one section of the complaint is called the prayer for relief um, yeah which I don't really know how some Baptists can ever consent to sue someone in court because gosh dang it they're praying to that judge um, right but it just means it means to seek it means to ask for something it means like you have something or you have the power to give me something that I want or that I need. Um, and, you know, you, it, it's, it's just asking. It's just, it's literally just like asking, would you please do this? So when you, when you get out of your head that to pray has to be, has to mean you're directing something to the divine then it, it kind of, like you said, we, we pray to people all the time. We ask yeah. people to pray for us all the time, which is essentially what we're doing when we pray to the saints or when we pray to Mary's. We're, we're asking them to intercede on our behalf, which then inevitably always raises the question, well, how do they know you're praying to them? They're not, they, they're not on mission. They don't know all things. So how do we have confidence that Mary is paying attention to us when we pray? Um, well, the church, the church, um, we're going to sound really orthodox when we say this, but to, to a certain degree, it's a mystery, right? Yeah. Like, um, That's all I wanted you to say. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I'm kidding. Honestly, like, <laughs> I mean, my goodness, um, you know, how did Jesus walk through walls or uh, walk on water or how did, you know, the apostle Paul heal people with the sweat of his brow? Like, I, I don't know. Who cares? Like it, there's, there's part of it that's like, because god like he can do whatever he wants and uh there's things about the beatific vision and the things that come with that the are you know um being being brought into his presence um like there's mysteries there that we we don't mm -hmm. understand or i have seen or you heard but but we we trust by faith that that's that's uh that's the way it works yeah and we believe in in the communion of saints and we don't believe that that death is is really a barrier. Like again, yeah. it's a mystery. We don't know how it works, but just the same way that my kid has confidence, sometimes very irrational confidence, that if they say my name from one end of the house, I will hear it at the other end. Mm -hmm. I don't always, but sometimes I do. And it's it's right. kind of the same thing. Like we don't really know how, but because we believe in the communion of the saints and the the we believe God is all omniscient and all powerful. We believe that when we ask Mary to intercede or ask a saint to intercede on our behalf, that, that they hear us. Right. You know, um, yeah. Yeah, as you put it, of, there's a couple of questions in there. One is how, you know, like how can they hear if, you know, say a thousand people are praying to Mary at once. Um, the other question is, has to do with like communion of saints, like, one is does communion the communion of saints exist, and the other is how does it work? How does it work? Yeah, yeah. The, so, and I, and I think the how does it work thing, um, like you said, how if if a thousand people are praying at once, how does Mary hear them all? And one of the easy answers is what makes you think time exists where Mary is, right? Um, <laughs> which again is still kind of bundled up in that we don't know how that works or the mystery, but it's just it's an obvious, really easy mistake but also a really obvious one when you start trying to put time constraints around those that are in the presence of god because time doesn't exist 
up there or out there or over there. So the question, well, how can Mary hear a million people at once? It's like, there's no time where she is, but it does, it's probably not as big a deal as you're making it out to be. Right. Yeah, for sure. Um, and we're coming up on, on time probably, but well, one more thing is, uh, and there, there's a lot of different aspects to, at least for a Catholic, what we're, what we believe about Mary, um, that Protestants are going to bring up and even some Orthodox are going to bring up objections to, uh, and we can maybe get into that some future episode, but when it comes to Mary in particular, we've got one more point or objection. What's the deal with like bowing and kneeling or like, uh, y'all, uh, you know, y'all kiss icons, right? When y'all walk in. We do. Well, we don't currently because of, of coronavirus, but we typically do. Yes. Um, and we do the same with relics, right? Which oddly enough, which is another tangent. We don't, the church doesn't claim to have any relics of the Virgin Mary. Um, so what is like, what's the deal with that? How is that not worship? How is that not idolatry, Brian? Well, it's easy to look at it from a Western perspective and to see idolatry. I think part of it arises from the fact that those are not those are not things we do to show respect to somebody by and large in American culture anymore. Sure. Um, but they weren't those were not out of the ordinary means of showing respect to people in the Eastern culture. Um, So even today when, when dignitaries will go and visit, uh, you know, a a King or a prime minister or something who's Eastern or has Eastern connection, when they go up to him, they'll bow. And it's not really a sign of obeisance or, or saying like, Oh, we're bowing to you because we recognize, um, you know, uh, we're, 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 it's not really a bow in service, but it's a bow of, of respect. So first of all, it's, it's a mistake to say that, well, to bow to something or to kneel to something has to be worship. Um, at its most basic level, it's, it's a sign of respect. In fact, I, I believe it was Father Stephen Freeman, uh, who's an Orthodox uh, priest uh, in Tennessee, talks about when the Orthodox talk about worship, um, and, and I don't know if this is necessarily the Catholic formulation of it as well. We equate worship with sacrifice. If you're not, if you bow into something or you you know, you kiss it or you kneel in front of it, that's not worship. That's, that, that's respect. That's veneration. But when you sacrifice something to that, um, that's when you're crossing over into worship. When Abraham worshiped God at the mountain, He sacrificed to him over and over again throughout the Old Testament. When you see the children of Israel gather to worship, um, I'm sure they're bowing and they're kneeling. But the worship part is when they take something of theirs and they give it to God and say, this is yours now. We are worshiping you. Worship is tied to sacrifice. Um, And I don't know if the Catholic Church 100% agrees with that or sees it the same way, but, but bowing kissing something. I mean, if you're going to say that kissing something is worship, you've got a big problem when in some of the epistles, you see the apostles telling people to greet each other with a holy kiss, which it's like, that's a whole lot of worshiping each other going on. If you're going to say kissing is worship, same thing with bowing, um, same kind of thing with kneeling, you know, and we don't, it it would be really, it'd be really easy in the West in our, uh, dare I say arrogance 
to look at other cultures and say, well, we like the way you do it is wrong, right? Like, <laughs> um, because, well, why is it wrong? Well, cause that's not how we do it. Yeah. You know, yeah. um, it, it just because we don't tend to show respect that way anymore. doesn't mean that it, it may not be better to show respect that way. Like, um, maybe, maybe they got it right. Maybe, you know, maybe Eastern cultures have got that right. Maybe we should be doing that. Like it, it would be, it'd be really arrogant to look at uh, an Eastern culture and say, well, that's weird and wrong. It, that, that's wrong because I find it uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Does it make sense? So like when we're dealing with the Christian tradition, which is way older than Western culture or yeah. modern Western culture, um, Maybe maybe it's not wrong to conform ourselves to the old ways, right? Like, just because it's old doesn't make it bad. And um, may, maybe maybe instead of saying, "Well, that's not how we show respect anymore," so we're not gonna we're not gonna do that. Um, well, maybe we should say, "Well, maybe that is how we should be showing respect." Yeah, and I does think that's like, yeah, I think it makes perfect sense, I, especially I think when you look at you know, just taking, you know, American culture as it is presently, like what, how do we even show respect these days? Mm-hmm. Even just think about like a Baptist kind of ba- typical Baptist worship service. Where in that service is there something that's an obvious display of respect for God or, or for something? There's they're kind of getting few and far between. I remember when my dad was a pastor and this wasn't something that I did uh, when I was a pastor, but when my dad would preach, when he would read from the Bible, you, he would ask everyone to stand, He'd ask everyone to stand in respect uh, for the reading from the word of God, uh, which is like a, this leftover vestige from um, what goes on in the Orthodox and Catholic church. We all stand when in the Orthodox church, when the gospel's read from, mm-hmm. um, but signs of respect and sort of rituals of respect seem today to be too often the casualty of convenience. Well, it's not convenient to ask everybody to stand. So we're not going to do that anymore. It's not even in some places, it's not convenient to ask everybody to be quiet. So we're not even going to really ask that, that silence or general quietness Mm -hmm. be a sign of respect. So, I mean, if someone's going to say, well, bowing and kneeling and, and kissing the icon, those are not, those are no longer legitimate expressions of respect. Even if I'm going to grant you that premise, I'm going to ask you, all right, well, how in your church do you show respect for things, for the, for the holy things in your service? And there's not, I'm sure every church may, is going to have their thing, but there's not going to be a set answer. You know, each church is probably going to do it a little bit differently. And so if they're all going to do it a little bit differently, then for crying out loud, just let us bow and kneel and kiss and be okay. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But I think, I think respect is something that is kind of, um, it's, it's trending the wrong direction. Respect is not something that's really given or shown a whole lot in our culture these days. I don't think anyway. Yeah. Um, So. You know, it might be a good place then to uh, end with Elizabeth's words to Mary when Mary came to visit her. 
she said in a loud voice, she exclaimed, and this is, uh, this is Luke chapter 1, verse 42. Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promise to her. You know, it's just such, it's such a cool uh, attitude of humility uh, that Elizabeth takes. She, she recognizes that among all the other women in the world, Mary has a special place. Um, mm. And she recognizes that she's grace, that word for favored. It's like she's been shown grace. Uh, that the mother of my Lord. You know, she didn't say the Lord. Like I, I, That's something that, uh, as a Protestant, I used to kind of interject into that. Well, the only reason it's a big deal that the mother of the Lord came was because that's the only <laughs> way the Lord would be. It's like, no, yeah, that's yeah. Not what she said, man. Like, Why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? And yeah. um, I just think that, you know, this, this concept that we've been... been dealing with, I think that even if Protestants are listening and say, I don't know that I can go as far as you guys are going, uh, I just really encourage people that are listening to, at the very least, recognize and meditate on the special place that Mary had in the redemptive plan of God. Uh, because like you said, like if we really do, we skim over it because mm. we don't want to take away from the Lord, or we used to. Uh, we didn't want to take away from the Lord. We you know, in his glory and his role. And I just encourage people that are listening, just like like the illustration of the artist in his painting, let let the story of Mary, her obedience, her submission to the to the will of the Father, um, her insistence that people do what he said, uh, just her her unique her unique position. Um, just let that humble you. You know, let that let that put you in a in a state of amazement, and um, if you can't do anything else right now, uh, just be grateful. Get, pray and, and thank God for Mary and what she did and what she's done and uh, how God used her and her her willingness to be obedient uh, to the Father. And yeah. whenever all of y'all that are listening become Catholic and Orthodox, um, <laughs> then uh, you know I think. I think you'll be in a little bit better of a place. I don't think it can hurt. Yeah. Anyway. No, I think that's well put. I think that's well put. Get to a, get to a place where when you encounter Mary through song or reading scripture, or even when she just strays across your thought patterns, get to a place where you can repeat what Elizabeth says and say, how does it happen to me that the mother of my Lord would come to me, be it through scripture, be it through song, be it through just, just thought. And if you're not if, if bowing and kneeling and kissing and, uh, you know, praying isn't your thing yet, at least get there, at least get there. Because at least that you can point to and say, well, it's in scripture and all your Protestant friends won't make weird faces at you. I mean, they still will, but yeah. They'll, they'll, they won't, you know, they'll get over it. Yeah, they'll get there. They'll get there. Well, Adam, man, it's been fun. Thank you so much for uh, for hanging out with me again. I uh, really enjoyed our discussion, as always. 
Uh, any part? Any other parting thoughts? Um, not really. If you've enjoyed it, feel free to rate, review on wherever you listen to this radical life. Uh, drop us an email if you have any questions, ideas for future topics. Our email address is, I believe, um, I hope I get this right, uh, just this heretical life at gmail, uh, all one word, this heretical life at gmail.com. Uh, drop us a line. And we hope to hear from you and hope that you tune in next time. Yeah. Thanks for listening, everybody. Adam, thanks for talking. <laughs> oh, thank you. All right. Good night, everyone.